0: I'm Larissa and I wanna help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand. So you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host Larissa Wurstiak. Through this podcast i aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and innovators so they can thrive by doing what they love i'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands and i'm excited to share that passion with you this is episode 128 and today i'll be sharing my interview with robin kramer the owner of red boot consulting according to her bio robin is a brand marketing maven, natural business nurturer, master of relationships, and a sales expert who has an impressive history with leaders in the retail industry that have built their brands on innovative merchandising and strong service cultures. In this episode, Robin and I talk about how to build relationships with retailers in the jewelry industry, and the roles that both your sales and marketing efforts will play in creating and nurturing those relationships. Before we get to that interview, I'm really excited to make an announcement about my course, Jewelry Marketing 101, which has been in development for about a year. It's now live and ready for you to enroll. Jewelry Marketing 101 is a self-paced foundational video course with seven chapters and 50 lessons in total. By taking the course, you'll understand the foundations of jewelry marketing so you can begin implementing sound marketing practices for your jewelry business at a fraction of the cost of working with me one-on-one. For a limited time through the end of May, you can get $50 off by entering code PODCAST at checkout. To sign up, just visit JewelryMarketingSchool.com. I'm so excited to share this course with you and think you'll benefit from it greatly. I also want to share some marketing-related news and insights from the past week that caught my attention. So first I saw this very interesting article about how marketing is evil, or at least that it has that perception. Of course, as a marketer, this caught my attention. I was like, hmm, I don't personally think it's evil, but let's see what this is all about. So marketing tends to have kind of a bad reputation. And the problem of all that starts with ethics. To earn customers, obviously you need awareness. And to get that awareness, you need marketing. It's kind of impossible to escape marketing. When marketing works, when it's good, people kind of don't even notice it, they forget about it. But when marketing is bad, That's when it tends to come across as evil. That's when people remember it, and then it kind of puts this negative reputation in their minds. So bad marketing tends to leave a more memorable impression than good marketing, unfortunately. Good marketing shouldn't feel like marketing at all. It should feel like someone has a really compelling solution to your problem, and it's just kindly letting you know about it so that you can make a decision about whether or not you want to make a purchase. There's really no shortage of demand for great marketing, especially now in a world that's becoming more digital with consumer behavior shifting. So I just thought this article was super interesting and a lot of good insights about good marketing versus bad marketing. Next, I saw a really good article on Moz.com about selling like QVC. So the article is talking about why now is the time to prepare for a video-based sales future. The big brands everywhere, brands like Walmart, Crate and Barrel, and Nordstrom are already getting into video sales, experimenting with it. Even smaller brands are trying to figure out how to leverage video sales and use video supported sales content. Right now is definitely the time to look for inspiration out in the world about what video sales can do for brands like yours in the marketplace. QVC, of course, does this best. They have pioneered video sales. They've invested so heavily in understanding their customer demographics and really have mastered how to sell to them via video. But, 70% of Americans actually don't wanna shop these big box stores, they wanna shop small. At the same time, they're looking for other outlets for shopping. People still don't fully feel comfortable going to stores in many parts of the country and world that may not even just be convenient for them. Forget COVID, sometimes life is so busy, you don't even want to go out to the store. You don't wanna sit in traffic, drive to the store, deal with the parking, etc. cetera. So video can really be another way to reach your customers. And you can really stand out if you are one of the only smaller brands doing video. Imagine how that can expand possibilities for sales. And then finally, I saw a really great article in MarTech series about email marketing cadence. So cadence just refers to the number of emails that you're sending, the frequency of them. What are the best practices? What are the best practices? I have a lot of clients, almost all my clients ask me how often should they be sending emails? And I don't think there's a a one size fits all answer for all brands. Email still works as a key marketing and business communications channel, but of course, there's not a, you know, one best practice for everyone. So you really need to see when are your subscribers best responding to your campaigns. You know, if you start to send them more frequently, are you noticing that people are unsubscribing? If you send them less frequently, are less people opening and clicking your emails because they've kind of forgotten about you. So it's a little bit of a a testing process to really figure out the best email cadence for your brand. And you should also potentially give your readers or subscribers the option to choose their frequency. So whether they want the emails once a week, once a month, once every quarter, if you're sending email marketing regularly, it might be great to to put the control in the subscribers' hands. If you wanna get the links to the articles I share in this segment of the podcast, you can sign up for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash signup, and you'll get a digest with the links whenever a new episode drops. Okay, let's get to my interview with Robin. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's really lovely to have you as as my guest today. Oh, Larissa, I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited to have connected with you. Yeah, it's definitely great that we've been able to connect. I know you have so much to offer the listeners. So give a little bit of background information. How did you start your journey into the jewelry industry and how did you get where you are today with Red Boot Consulting? Um, Well,
1: I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) It's kind of, um, I've been doing, I've been in the industry a really long time, but it kind of starts back with my mom. My mom had a store and I fell in love with product at a very early age and fascinated by stores and, and connection between vendors and that sort of thing. And so I actually went to college and studied retail marketing and management and always worked at a store along the way and then went into corporate retail and was in corporate retail for quite some time with big box names, and then fell in love with Handmade Product and started working with Handmade Product in 2001. Well, about 2000, and then 2001 really dove into it. And then was doing consulting for jewelry. I was working full-time, but also I was getting requests to do some consulting for some jewelry brands and some other handmade brands. And then I fell in love with a product called Dog Eared, which is a jewelry line, and ended up working for Dog Eared for five years and was immersed in the jewelry industry and had the experience of working for Dog Eared. And they grew 800% in the five years I was there. It was really quite an adventure. <laughs> um, and then in 2010, I actually left Dog Ear to start consulting just really because of family stuff. My, my dad wasn't doing well and I wanted to have some more flexibility and the consulting was mostly in jewelry, but I also was working with other accessory brands. So leather goods and eyeglasses and things like that. Um, but I, it was always, always drawn to jewelry because it was so, it just spoke to me. And in 2012, my friend Tracy Matthews, who's also a jewelry designer, um, she approached me about doing an online educational platform for jewelry designers, which is now called Flourish and Thrive Academy. So I'm co-founder of Flourish and Thrive Academy and, um, still all along did my Red Book consulting, really, um, have a love for wholesale and stores. So, um, focused focused on that more in uh, I would say in 2018 kind of went back to doing more with red Boot and one-on-one consulting that is my happy place is to really get to know designers and help them flourish in their business and grow and to really connect with the stores too so that's that's the condensed kind of condensed version. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I love all of that experience and it makes so much sense how you got to the place where you are today. So at Dog Eared, you were in charge of sales, right? Is that true?
1: Yeah. I was the director of sales for um, national and international for the whole kit and caboodle. I started, they had never had anyone in sales. They had had rep groups and they decided that the rep groups were actually kind of holding them back in some ways so they kept one rep group who they're still with today. They've been with this one rep group for 30 years, but they wanted somebody to come in and really take the opportunity um, to just grow the business. And so I was really, it was, it was so fun and it was great. And so I was their first director of sales and I can't believe i just spoke with the owner last night. <laughs> I'm still, they're still dear to me.
0: That's amazing. And growing them 800%. I mean, come on, that's some crazy growth right there.
1: <laughs> it was it was bananas. It was totally bananas. And what what's awesome is that we did a lot of things right, and we did a lot of things wrong. And what's cool is I can give that information to designers because you don't want to do the wrong things. And so I can really help them with you know what, make sure you're reading manuals, right? make sure you you have agreements, make sure you're, you know, you don't have to please everybody, you know, you can have your, um, how you want your business. So it really gave me, it was it was so much learning and growth for not only myself, but the business as well. Um, Dog Eared learned a lot and put systems into place and things that they hadn't had, but you know uh when when things are moving quickly and what's interesting dogyard was a 14 year old company when i went to uh, when i joined them so it's never too late to change and grow and learn and i that's exactly what happened is that uh they were ready to invest in their business
0: that's super inspiring i love that So it sounds like you have like one foot firmly planted in the sales world. And then you have this retail marketing experience and the academic background in that. And the alignment between sales and marketing is something, something I've definitely talked about on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you why that alignment is important and how a jewelry brand can potentially achieve that alignment.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you had asked me in 2005, what I thought, I was like, You've got to go to a trade show if you want to get into, into stores and this is the way you have to do things. But, you know, fast forward, we're in 2021. It's such a different world and social media plays a marketing and social media specifically plays such an important role in that nowadays. I have talked with buyers who say I immediately if they look at a designer or even if a designer comes recommended to them, they'll look on social media to see what their following is to see what they're doing and how how engaged they are so there's a consideration in that as well so marketing has become i would say even more essential to um a brand because if you google you know i'm wearing a a, actually it's my dad's he passed and and this is very dear to me but he loved bolo ties so i'm wearing a bolo tie and if you just google bolo ties Online, you get up, you know, turquoise, bull- turquoise and silver bolo ties. You will get a slew of, you know, different designers and different um, product. And how do you decide about that? How do you choose that? So um, you can't rely on just having great product. It's really important that you have your your view, your story, your um, your brand on point. It is, it, there's so much more to it than just showing up and having great product. In fact, it's always going to be the person who is marketing and being consistent with their marketing and trying new things that is actually going to get the intention of buyers.
0: Definitely. It's funny you mentioned bolo ties because I was literally just doing a project, an SEO project yesterday where we were trying to figure out like the positioning of the keyword bolo ties on Google oh. because there are so many different kinds. I mean, so who even, knew, right? Yeah. So <laughs> even in the consideration of marketing, it can also go hand in hand with product development. I know that for some designers I talk to you, that feels kind of limiting because if they're basing their product development around marketing and what will stand out. there, like, but I just want to be creative. And I have to say, okay, but like, do you want an expensive hobby or do you actually want to make products that sell? So that's something that I'm always dealing with, with clients. That's a,
1: you, a super good point because does jewelry designers specifically are very attached to their creativeness and and their product and it's very hard if when someone doesn't like it or it doesn't sell and to not take that personally and if you want to have a business you can't take it personally you really have to say you have to put on a a business hat and say okay what's working what's not working how do I want my business to go? And there are a lot of people who are very happy with, I'm just going to create what I'm going to create. And whoever buys it, buys it. If they don't, they don't. But if you, to your point, if you really want a business, you need to think about it. You need to um, really look at what, you know, what do you want your business to look like and envision that. Um, and you can work towards that. Now, the thing is, is, you don't want to lose your creativeness because of that, but you want to look at, okay, how can I take my creativeness and actually do it in a way that's going to work for my customer? And a lot of times what some designers find is that they're actually marketing to the wrong customer. They're not really sure who their dream client is. And so doing some work on who actually is their dream client, who are they designing for? And to get very specific on that, I mean, we would do a whole talk on a dream client because it really is digging in deep and even getting to the point where you have their exact age and the music they like and where they live and where, what stores they shop at and what's their disposable income, all those things take um, play a part in that. And when you do something like that, it doesn't exclude other people from buying from you. It just helps you be really super focused and actually helps you with your designing too.
0: I a hundred percent agree with that. I always joke on this podcast that I want to tattoo know your target customer on my head because I say it so much that it's probably a broken record at this point,
1: (laughs) I, I love that. I um, I might have to, to join you in that. Maybe we should just do a picture of both of us wearing it, like know your target customer. I, you know, I think there's a big fear that if they go so narrow that they're going to lose people. And you can't think that way. You know, I think the opposite is true. Like if you try to capture, I always say if you cast a wide net, you're you're going to not get a lot. You're trying to please everybody. And when you are really focused and can know, you know, just really know who your, your ideal customer is, you're going to actually surprise yourself and have more business and more repeatable business because that's ultimately what you want is people to come back again and again and again
0: definitely yeah i just had an episode where i interviewed kate youngstrom from jck events and we talked about the quote which i should look up who originally said this i like throw it around all the time but uh if you market to everyone then you market to no one and i think that's exactly what you're saying
1: absolutely 100%
0: yeah so uh, to speak to the back to the topic of the difference between sales and marketing, I think you had so many good points. I'm curious, your thoughts on um, a lot of designers come to me and they kind of equate or have this idea in their heads that marketing like is the sales effort, that they expect that the sales will come just from the marketing. But what are your thoughts about that? Like how does sales differ from marketing? What are the roles of that in actually making the sale to the target customer?
1: Um, that is so true. I mean, I, can't. <laughs> so marketing, you're emailing your, you know, you have your, your website up, you do your social media, you might be doing a postcard and you should always have call to actions for things too. But when you do sales, like part of that sales is researching your customer is if you're, if you want to do wholesale, it's researching the store it's um, it's also outreach to the store, but connecting with them and not just one and done. You know, you can't just send an email and you don't hear anything back, and you think, oh well, that's it. It is an email. It's a call. It's a postcard that you send. It's stopping by the store. It's it's many different um, ways that you can do some outreach and. And also following up with existing customers, I think there's, I call that low hanging fruit. If you're not following up with your existing customers, they will go away. Um, and you, when somebody already know knows you, likes you, trusts you, buys from you, to nurture them is so key in business. So um, and and also too, when you because uh, sales, I think is one of those words that can be like nails on a chalkboard for somebody. It can be really like, oh, I don't wanna be salesy. Well, if you take the word sales and switch it to being helpful or um, just going, and I always like to say, I'm, I'm, my goal is always to help somebody find what they need. So if you come from a place of service, so instead of sales, think of sales as service. Because there are a couple of things. If somebody's looking to buy something, why wouldn't they buy from you? And you have to always approach it that way. And what can you do to provide them the information of why they should buy from you? You know, maybe it's because you're handmade. Maybe it's because you're ethically sourced, use ethically sourced stones or recycled silver or you're made in the U.S. or you give to a certain charity with every sale that you do, whatever it is, and people don't know what they don't know. So it is actually your responsibility to share with them. If you want a business, you know, it goes back to, if you want a business, you have to treat your business like a business. Um, I think the other thing too, is when you're dealing with stores that um, I always think of this is they have a choice to put product up in their store And if you're not reaching out to them and connecting with them, they're choosing somebody else. So I never feel bad about outreach, you know, um, but it's all in how you approach it. And so if it's coming from a place of, you know, I did the research, I saw that you had, that you have an, a certain assortment. I would love to show you my collection of jewelry that, It seems to, you don't seem to have that in your store. It may be something that might interest you. So it's all in how you
0: talk about it and how you present it. Absolutely. So to take that idea of outreach one step further, what would you say are some pillars or like best practices of that designer retailer relationship? How can that relationship be built and nurtured over time? Well, I think the
1: you know first thing, make sure that um, I know I'll repeat this again because it's so important. Make sure you have the right pricing. You you know you don't want to go into a situation where you're underpriced because that happens a lot too. I see with designers that aren't um, taking into consideration everything they need to do to get the pre- their wholesale price. So first and foremost, pricing. Secondly, do your research about the store. Absolutely know the store more because it is, we have so many tools and you can go online, you can go Google the store, you can go on LinkedIn to find out more about the buyer. You can go on Yelp to see the reviews, you know, all these things that we have access to. It is almost like going, if you, it's kind of like studying for a test. If you go in without studying, you're not going to pass. If you study, you're going to make a connection. Even if you don't come away with a sale, the connection is the important thing because the buyers have, they they plan out their buys. They have certain dollars that they need to hit in order to have their open to buys. So don't get discouraged when you reach out and they're not ready or it just isn't working right now. I've had, you know, it, it's about the repeat and and outreach on a consistent basis um, so some of that looks like certainly email and not just an email to your whole list but email them directly um, it's about calling and even if you don't connect with the buyer the people at the store if it's the manager if it's the associates I have learned so much from talking to a sales associate and just asking questions of, you know, how, you know, how long have you worked there? What is your favorite thing about the store? Do you guys sell a lot of jewelry? What's the magic price point that you sell all day long? It's amazing what you can find out from, from associates. And what's also great is that you start that relationship. So starting the relationship is key, no matter if you sell to them or not. Because eventually the goal is to have that relationship where you will, where they will buy from you. Um, postcards, I love. Uh, I'm, I'm a lover of nature. So use recycled um, paper. But in today's world, everything is so electronic. It's really great to get something in front of them. So postcards are great. And don't send one once a year. That's pointless. You know, send it, you know, at once a quarter. Do it in So you're again, it takes there's so much out there that's coming to buyers and and shoppers that they need to see the consistency of it. So seeing your brand numerous ways, Um, posting, um, not only posting on social media, but following the stores on social media, engaging with them on social media. Maybe there's a post they did make a comment about it. Tell them how, you know. Let them know what you're seeing. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a store in Pasadena, and she said, you know what? Don't ever forget that store owners have egos. So they really want to hear that their store is great, or you really like their website, or the post that they did was really inspiring, whatever it is. So it's starting that connection. Once you get that connection, keep it and, and keep the engagement of that.
0: Those are all such great tips. I particularly like the thought of calling the store. And even if you can't reach the buyer, the store owner to not get discouraged and to speak to an associate, like I would not have thought of that, but I think it's brilliant because the associates probably know the customers or the customer base, like even better than an owner or buyer who may be slightly removed. And Mm -hmm. if you make a really good impression with an associate, like they're going to speak, say their praises of you, you know, maybe they'll share that information with the buyer, or the owner. So don't underestimate like who you're speaking to at the other end of the line.
1: Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone, I've physically gone into stores or called up stores and had great conversations. I also want to, well, I'll give you one of my other tricks is that, um, I follow a lot of websites, you know, um, Gosh, uh, Pure Well, Pop Sugar, um, you know, uh, Refinery Twenty uh, Nine, Glow. There's a lot out there. Um, Goop is another one too. Where I'll see if they feature a store, or um, there's, or maybe it's an article in Scout Guide or something like that, or even in um, a, a magazine like Oprah Magazine or a local paper, or or even the New York Times. If there's a store featured and it grabs my attention, I actually will call, pick up the phone because emails, sh- mails. I mean, emails are great, but if a store doesn't know you, they're not, they're not going to prioritize. They might not even look at your email. So I usually pick up the phone and just say, hey, I saw this great article and I just wanted to congratulate you on what a cool article it was. And that's it. I had no expectations after that. Um, usually it's just a conversation and, uh, and just saying, you know, I'm a, if, if I'm designing a product or representing a product, I'll say, you know, I, I, uh, represent such and such product and I'm always looking for amazing stores and your store just really caught my attention with this article and it will flow into, um, learning more about them, them learning more about you. And it's not so scary.
0: It's funny you say that. I actually do that in my own marketing just to create relationships with jewelry brands. And so to take that a little further, you can do something like create a Google alert where like a certain keyword like jewelry store or jewelry. So you get a digest in your email inbox of any sort of news about jewelry brands. And then if something stands out, reach out to them, but again, no expectation of anything coming from a place of like service from connection and who knows, like who knows what can happen from that.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad you said about Google alerts because I do that. And I forget to tell everybody that is such a good little
0: trick to do. I love that tip. So you mentioned a little bit um, about with the relationships between designers and retails, retailers, the importance of pricing, which leads into my next question, designers that are just starting out these indie brands, they're trying to make the decision in their business strategy. Should they go direct to consumer? Should they be looking at like a wholesale strategy and how does pricing play a role in all that? So do you have any tips about how these new brands can make that decision right out of the gate? Yeah, I think the
1: important thing is in today's world, um, as we said before, you don't know what you don't know. education is really important. There are a lot of free tools out there as far um, as pricing. I mean, if you don't know about Flourish and Thrive Academy, go over to Flourish and Thrive Academy. There's a wonderful Thrive by Design community that is free that can help with support and, and answer questions. There are also some other paid classes and courses. And also Halstead has a great blog. And in fact, the owner of the president of Halstead, Hillary Uh, Halstead Scott just did a whole conversation on pricing. So knowing your pricing is really key um, and knowing too, if you're um, eventually wanting to get a rep, you have to consider that in your pricing as well. Um, So price, like I said, pricing is a, a whole conversation. So just making sure you have no, have your wholesale pricing down where you're charging also for your time. A lot of designers miss that. They they calculate, you know, all their components and and all of that stuff but actual time making a piece should be charged for. It is, you know, it's kind of like when you take your car in to be serviced and the part costs, you know, x amount and the the amount of time, the labor costs x amount and so you're you're being charged for that. That's how you should work, you know, pricing wise for your business. Um, Also too, you know, in addition to um, pricing, I mean, you want to make sure you can actually produce. So when, you know, I have worked with a lot of designers say, well, I just, I want to make a lot of money and I want to sell my product to all these stores. And that's great, but it's very vague. (laughs) And if you um, can't produce your line, um, it can cause problems because number one, if if you get a wholesale order and your lead time, and that's the time it takes for you to actually create your, your product and ship it, and let's say your lead time is three to four weeks, and you run into, you know, oh my gosh, I can't get X, Y, and Z and I'm gonna be late on this, or I, you know, or I'm having issues with something. And you are delayed on that shipping, especially a first-time order. Things happen, and so communication is really important when you are delayed on anything. But it's not being able to deliver on time is a big deal. So you want to make sure that you can actually produce what you're doing. So timing everything, having a recipe for each product, being basically organized and having systems is super key. When working with wholesale accounts um, and that, you know, I've seen a lot of um, designers just, they started creating and people start buying and then, oh gosh, they got a store account. That's great. But if you don't have your ducks in the row, it can, it's sometimes harder to go backwards and create them. It's not impossible But it's always great to just start and have a strong foundation, have your systems in place. It will make everything run so much smoother.
0: Yeah, those are such great points. So one thing that I find um, in, in my marketing clients, when I meet someone, especially who's new out of the gate, maybe they're trying to start partnering with retailers, they'll do a little bit of outreach and say... Why is this not working out for me? Like after a few weeks. So I'm curious from your experience, like what is a typical timeline from when someone starts doing this initial outreach to when they start getting their wholesale accounts? What is the expectation around that? Just so people know what to expect like going into this process. Yeah, you know, it's such
1: it's such a funny thing because it can take, it can take, a few months. It can take many years. It really depends on the store. It really depends on the consistency of your outreach. It really depends. There are a lot of factors that it depends on. Um, the most important thing is you can't just do one thing. You have to do as you know we mentioned earlier multiple ways of reaching out and getting in front of them because email is wonderful if they read it. And I say, if, because I know a lot of buyers who, you know, they've had to cut some staff this, you know, in the past year. So they're having to read all their email. They're having to run their store. They're having to, you know, deal with a whole new, um, mostly online. You know, there's just been, they're pulled in a lot of different directions and you're probably not the only person out reaching out to them. So that's why it's important to send, still send the email. Because even if they don't open the email, they see your name. They see the name of your brand. And a good example of this is I have a designer that I work with who was emailing free people. And free people is just, it would be, it's totally in alignment with what she does. It would be a great account for her. She emailed them, never heard anything for two years. And she was at um, a show, uh, the Capsule Show. And the buyer was there and walked by and stopped in front of a booth. And she's like, I know this brand. And it made her stop. So don't, you know, never underestimate the power of somebody seeing your brand name. So, but it's, it is important to, to do all, you know, to engage, to, to do all the things that we talked about a little bit earlier. Now, expectations. Here's the thing. You should always be growing your, your store list. So it don't just say, I'm going to reach out to these five stores and that's all I'm going to reach out to. So if you're wanting to get into five stores, I would probably look at, you know, doing a hundred to 200 stores and reaching out to them. And I know that sounds kind of a little daunting to some people, but here's the thing. Everybody's in a cycle of buying And they may have a product that looks similar to yours. So they're not interested at this time. Or maybe your price point's a little too low or a little too high. So um, maybe they're not ready to buy. They usually do do all their buying um, in January as opposed to August. So there's lots of factors into it. So you should always be reaching out. That should be part of of what you do every week, adding to your store list. So researching stores and adding to it. And also outreach um, every week, because it does, I mean, like I said, I've had stores, it's taken a few months, I had a a client that I was working with, and it took them 10 years to get into Sundance Catalog. And they have now been in the catalog for 10 years, but it took them 10 years to get into it. So it just takes, it, it just varies. So that's why it's really important to do a lot of outreach to a lot of stores.
0: I 100% think there are people that will be listening to this episode who are like, how am I supposed to do that for months, years, 10 years, stay motivated, think I'm doing the right thing. Like I, that can be so discouraging. Do you have tips around that? Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it's amazing because first of all, don't hang, don't, don't let the nose or the, the crickets upset you because that can take you down the wrong path. But just know that when you don't hear back, it just means, okay, I'm gonna continue sending them um, until I hear back, but um, or to ex- continuing my outreach. But again, it's like, do your research and reach out to them with specifics too. When you send an email, send an, why are you reaching out to them? Not because they're, uh, I mean, they're a store, you're reaching out to them for specific reasons. And I think it's really important I you know, knowing doing the research. And if you're in one of the things that I do when I'm traveling, even for vacation, is I go into stores and I meet people and you can make some great connections. Always be wearing your jewelry. Always. I don't care if you're going to, you know, the grocery store or to a yoga class, or would always be wearing your jewelry, because luckily for jewelry designers, when you're wearing your jewelry, it's a point of conversation. Inevitably, somebody is gonna say something about what you're wearing, and it just smooth, it's just easy to go into it. The other thing too, is another tip, is that ask your existing customers where they like to shop, or ask your existing, if you're working with stores, let the buyer know, say, I would, you know, I love working with you. I'm looking to, you know, grow my business. Do you know of another store in a different state that you think would be a really good store for me? Um, People want to help people. So doing that also, um, if you're, you know, friends with other brands, And so for example, I was at a trade show, I became very friendly with the booth across the way, which was Hobo bags. And the customer was very similar to the dog-eared customer. So I would talk to the girls, the reps at Hobo, and I'd be like, you know what? I I wanna introduce you to some of our buyers because I wanna make sure that you meet them and vice versa, they would introduce me to some of their buyers. So there's a lot of networking that can go into it. and also with researching, when you research a, a store a store owner, look at their LinkedIn, look at their history. I had another client who found out that the buyer at Saks actually went to her alma mater. So when she reached out to her, she was like, you know, we have USC in common. And so it gives when people have a connection somehow, it makes everything so much easier. So if you are getting frustrated because you're gonna, you're, you want to see results right away, then you might want to think about maybe not doing wholesale because it's a, it's a little bit more of a longer game. And once you do get an account, it's amazing how much easier it becomes to grow that too.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's not rocket science at all. It's just patience, persistence, determination, resourcefulness, creativity. Like you you really need to have a certain personality, I think, to do this, or if not, like be able to hire someone who can do it for you because there's no secret, there's no magic wand, there's no like magic pill. It's just... I, I it's so refreshing to hear the, these things from you.
1: Well, and, and there is no magic pill, but, but I can tell you if it's something you desire and want to do, it will happen. It just, there is a lid for every pot, you know, there is, you will, it, it just takes that patience and it takes, and I would also add positivity because staying positive about it is really important. And there, you know, it's, I know it's frustrating. I, I have been there where people come into a booth and walk out of a booth and don't buy anything, or I call them and they're not interested, but it doesn't mean that, you know, that's okay. That's them. Let me move on to the next one, because I know there's going to be that right buyer for me. And, you know, to it, and there's no better feeling when it connects and you get that order and And the great thing is, you know, you're helping them too with their business. I always, you know, especially when you're dealing with stores, a store cannot run without product. They have to have product to sell. So just remember that when you're reaching out, again, like don't make it so scary. And the worst they can say is no or not right now. And that's okay. Okay, next one. Let's see. Um, But the tools we have today to research them And um, just, you know, between physically going in, seeing what they're doing on their website, people are doing a lot more videos. Um, You know, Yelp has been a great tool. Google is doing ratings now, you know, like there's so many ways that we can really research and um, find out more about the,
0: the stores. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about trade shows. Now that the world is starting to open up, events are more possible. How do designers navigate trade shows, especially if they're coming into it for the first time? How can they make the most of that experience? What tips can you share around that?
1: Well, I'm a fan of trade shows. Um, It's been such an interesting year. I've heard retail is going away. There's not going to be any more stores. That's not true. I had a, a client last year in 2020 open 28 new stores. Um, open them, meaning like she, she, this 28 new stores came to her and bought from her. So stores aren't going away. Now there's stores that do close during, during this hard time. There have, it's been super sad that stores have closed, but there's always stores opening too. Um, uh, I think it's really important to research so, doing a trade show. Trade shows are awesome, and if they're, if you're at a show, and I've talked to a lot of buyers, buyer trade shows aren't going away. They are changing. There will always be an online component to a trade show, and if they're not doing that, that's shame on them because they should be. But they're um, they're going to be smaller. I'm sure of that. But it's a great way for a buyer to go to one place and see multiple lines, multiple brands. And it really is helpful for a buyer. So my recommendation is do your research, check out what what trade shows look interesting to you, physically go to the the show and walk it because it is an investment. It is a financial investment and you wanna make sure that you know your gut tells you a lot so make sure you walk it and get the vibe for it see what other brands are there see what buyers are there ask buyers that you currently work with or that you want to work with and ask if what they what shows that they attend because you do want to go where those buyers are going um also money is a factor you know if you um if you don't want to spend $10,000 or can't afford to spend $10,000 just on a booth or $5,000 in a booth and then logistics and all that. It is a financial investment. And I really recommend if you're going to do one, you may want to start off local of you know maybe the state you're in or something that's smaller, that's not as, as costly just to get a feel for it. The other thing I would do is read the manual <laughs> thoroughly because there are going to be certain dates that you have to, if there they always have kind of early bird specials on lighting or, or uh, certain booth details. So make sure you read that thoroughly. Also, in that manual are going to have marketing opportunities. Um, a lot of times they'll be like little mini uh vignettes within the show um, or you know, something that could be highlighting the fact that maybe you're uh, a sustainable or eco-friendly brand, you know, those types of things. So any chance that you can highlight your brand even more is really a great opportunity. I would also say, make sure you become friendly with your account rep for the show too, because they're gonna provide you with a lot of great information I've actually still have friends from these trade shows that I've met because uh, you they, they work their tails off. They want you to have a successful show. I always think it's so funny when I'm at a show and I hear somebody complaining, oh, it's such a bad show or, oh, the show staff isn't supportive or all they want to do is to have you have a great show. So communicate with them and ask them what are the ways that I can really make the most of this show so um and if you are walking a show you can actually call the show up in advance and say I you know I'm interested in exhibiting do you have any tours um when can I attend and they're more than happy to do that if you um I usually do tours for designers too so if I'm going to a show I will let people know and I say, you know, I'm happy to take you on a tour. I've done this for the American Handcrafted show, the Atlanta show, the um, New York show as well, the New York now show. So um, those are great things to do to research. I mean, I can't say enough about the researching and most importantly, learn what stores are actually attending. And when you go to a show, the other thing too, is, I have made some amazing friends through other, because they're vendors at the show. I got to know them super well. And they're, I mean, it's like summer camp. You're there for a while. You're there kind of 24 seven, you get to know people. And I have learned some great things about the business. Um, I've, I've met new clients, you know, because of being at shows and, and the fellow vendors are introducing people. I mean, it's a networking haven. So when you attend a show, you should always have goals and not just financial ones. You should also have goals of like, okay, I want to meet, you know, X amount of buyers. I, I am looking to meet X amount of vendors. I want to make sure I get to know more people within the trade, you know, who um, who are part of the trade show. Um, so uh, I'm going to, walk uh if let's say it's the new york now show i'm going to walk new york city and go into 10 new stores that i've never been into you know, make certain goals for yourself that are just not, not just monetary because a lot of times at a show that the the what happens after is really um where a lot more of the orders come through so it could be just the show is is providing you with the connections and what you do after is what really matters to the follow-up and connect staying connected.
0: That's a really good reminder, the fact that some of the action will happen after the show. So for people not to get discouraged by maybe a lack of orders during that experience.
1: And plus too, when you exhibit for the first time, if no, if this is your like very first show, they've never seen you before, a lot of times buyers wait until you're there you know, two, three, four times before they place an order because they want to make sure that you're not going away
0: too. That's really interesting insight. I like that. So tell me a little bit about the Halstead grant, which you've discussed with me. Why do you think independent jewelry designers should apply for it? Give us some information.
1: Well, the Halstead, first of all, if you don't know about Halstead, you got to check it out because they've been around for 48 years. They are, um, they are actually, uh, they support jewelry entrepreneurs, but they, they provide, um, all sorts, you know, chain and components and all sorts of things to ensure that you have a strong, healthy, you know, business, um, the applicants, the application, well, first of all, being, I have, I am a guest judge this year and I'm so honored to be a part of this grant. The grant has been, um, it started in 2006. So it's been around for a while. Um, It's an annual award and it's for emerging silver jewelry artists. And I say silver, you can also have some gold in there, but it's predominantly silver. And they have 15 business questions that are really, and, and that's in addition to their design portfolios, but the questions are really diving deep into your, to one's business. And what's cool about this, whether or not you are feeling like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to apply or, um, cause you do need to be five years or younger in the business, um, in order to, uh, f- in order to apply. But I would highly recommend if you've been in business for 10 years or for 40 years, whatever, the application is so dang good that you want to fill it out because it's going to really help you hone in on your business. So, um, and it's to help jewelry emerging artists, jewelry entrepreneurs create this strategy to really kickstart their business. And the grand prize is $7,500, but it's also the acknowledgement. It's a very, um, reputable grant that is noticed and, and, um, recognized in the, in the industry. So, um, they do a lot of press around it. You are connected with a lot of people in the industry. Um, they also have, um, uh, runner-up and finalists and all that kind of stuff that also receive, so these finalists and semi-finalists also receive some money as well, um, as well as recognition. So um, it's just a wonderful thing to, to add to your story. And like I said, it is an incredible exercise for no matter what stage of business you're in. But it's very exciting. August first is the deadline, so get your applications in. Download the application now. Make sure you're working on it because it it's not one of those things that you can do on on the fly. You really need to concentrate and to work on it, and then let it sit for a minute, and then go back and come. You know, because it really is a, a very thoughtful um, and thorough application. So. It's very exciting. So I'll be going to Tucson in August. Um, I'll be spending a week there and diving into um, all the applications.
0: That does sound so exciting. Yeah. I invite everyone to check it out. It sounds like a great opportunity. Oh my gosh. Such a great opportunity. Amazing. So is there anything that we didn't cover today that you would like to mention before we wrap up today, Robin? Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. I mean, I feel like I have so
1: much more to, I mean, please anyone, you guys are welcome to reach out to me. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions. A couple of things I would like to share is I do um, Instagram live conversations. They're called kick-ass combos. And in fact, I have one with Hillary Halstead Scott about specifically about the Halstead grant. So you guys are welcome to check it out. Um, you can find me at Red Boot Gal. And I also do a twice a month call that is free to everybody. It is about gratitude and community and it's called Jolt of Joy. It's twice a month. You can go onto my website at redbootconsulting.com and you can go to the community section and see the details. The Zoom information never changes, but it's the first Friday of the month and the third wednesday of the month and it's great um and it's not just for jewelry designers it's open to everyone and what's cool is there's been buyers on there there's been um trade show folk on there there's been a a mixture of people and actually i've had uh store buyers meet designers on there and actually carry their product now i mean a good another networking opportunity (laughs) um I also want to mention too, if you're really serious about wholesale and you actually have been doing some wholesale, but you're ready to take it to the next level, I have an intensive program called the Red Boot Intensive and we work on your whole business, but um, really focus on wholesale and I'll start taking applications in September of this year for the intensive. So I think that's it. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. I really hope that the listeners take advantage of some of these both free and paid resources. You have so much to offer them so much knowledge and wisdom and experience. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was such a pleasure to have you, Robin. Oh
1: my gosh, Larissa. It was so fun. Thank you so much for, for having me. And I do hope that your listeners all enjoy. And if, like I said, if there are any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me.
0: So what did you think? It was such a pleasure to be able to speak to Robin today and really benefit from her knowledge and wisdom and experience in the industry and hear all the amazing tips and tricks she had to share about building and nurturing retailer relationships. You can always reach out to me, that's Larissa, L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. And as a reminder, you can purchase my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, by visiting joyjoya.com book. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com, where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.